Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast. This is a Patreon-exclusive podcast, or you might be hearing the free preview version of it, too. This is Monopuff-exclusive part two. This time, we're going to be talking about uh, four songs off of It's Fun to Steal, and I've got a crew here with me that we've each picked a song off of the album to talk about. Uh, returning from Monopuff Part 1, we've got Abby Bash, and we've got John Ulis. And uh, for his first exclusive, we got Chris Tull. You've heard him on uh, the Sometimes a Lonely Way episode, but this is his first exclusive. And joining the Monopuff crew here. So, hey, everybody. Hello. Woo. Woot, woot. It's been way too long since we've talked about Monopuff. It's been like, that was like a, a year, year and a half ago. I mean, it's even been a year ago since I did the uh, Last State Songs episode, so I got to do some more of those, too. But good to get back on the horse. And I think uh, in the interest of time, since uh, these multiple song ones always go long, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to chat about, let's dive right in and let's go uh, Chris... What's mm-hmm. the first uh, It's Fun to Steal track that we're going to be talking about today? It is a song called Poison Flowers. Poison Flowers. Now, why did you pick Poison Flowers? I picked it. I have always had an affection for this song. It's very... I I like songs where it doesn't outright say, hey, this is a song about XYZ, which is, you know, They Might Be Giants is a good band for that. But this is a a fun one because I I like the idea of the... uh, the summer vacation, you know, the, the, I, 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 we, I think we all know that feel of summer vacation being over and thinking back on your summer and, you know, it's a, it's a nice, uh, a nice feeling. The autumn always has that sort of, uh, I've continued that into my adult years. I've got that every, every August. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. I still feel it though. I still have it. Like, like whenever, whenever, uh, autumn comes, I still like get that feeling, even though, everything's the same but <laughs> yeah or you, you start seeing like back to school commercials and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah th- this this song is a good and this is a rocker i think my fi- <laughs> i love this bit of trivia here on the wiki flansberg's quote nobody had any hearing left by the end of this session i've never recorded this loud before that's awesome <laughs> Um, so you're mentioning the, uh, why don't we, why don't we start with the lyrics since, uh, you were already starting to talk about that. Um, you know what, maybe since, since the first line mentions the cherry soda, let's play this, uh, John sent over a, uh, Coca-Cola ad that I don't think any of us knew existed. Uh, I knew it existed. uh, I knew it existed. I knew the secret origin. (laughs) (laughs) So that, when did that, uh, those aired... When, John? So those are in like summer 1997 on uh, okay. on radio. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, since that came before the album came out, we should definitely uh, do. They came before the yeah. album, but th- this song, the the album recording of this song was uh, originally on the Steve Calhoun years Hello right. Recording EP, mm-hmm. and that came before the Coke ad. Before the Coke ad. Okay. So, um, well, let's just go ahead and play the Coke ad since I'm talking about it. It's pretty uh, fun. I'll probably just play the whole thing since I bet a lot of people haven't heard it. And then. Yeah, so it's a little bit of the way in that you hear the poison flowers, and I think it even pops up again towards the end. There's like a little, little bit that comes in for like a split second towards the end too. So let's let's check that out. Is a thirsty cyborg with There's always stacks of empty Coke cans piled up outside my door. Who's gonna wear my sandals stained with Coke and John, do you know was that? I mean, was that just straight up how the radio ad was played? Because it's it's a would be a very weird commercial because there's not like some voiceover guy who's like, enjoy an ice cold Coca Cola classic from you know, blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> that's a very very good question. I've never actually heard a recording of it that was taken from the radio, but there's right. a few alternate versions of that, and there's people who were on you know in the fan community alt music TMBG in '97 who were saying that they actually heard it on the radio. So we know it did air. I'm not sure what form it really took on FM radio, though. Yeah, I'm just imagining hearing that on the radio. It would be pretty wild because it's just like Yeah, what all the over hell the place. is this? It sounds so strange. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I love the part where he says, I like the red. That makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I like the red. <laughs> I like the label. <laughs> I wonder if he got paid loads of money for that. Coca Cola's got deep pockets. Yeah. But we we'd expect I'm I'm surprised though, John, you said that came between the E P and the album though, so the song was already fully done. That's interesting. I did not know that. I always I I kind of in my I guess in my imagination thought that he did that little bit and was like, Oh, that's a cool section and then built it out into the whole song, but I guess not. Yeah, no, I think right. he was just like riffing on a, a song he had already recorded that nobody had really heard except, you know, hardcore TMBG fans. Right. Yeah. So so yeah, it was originally on the Steve Calhoun years, but this um this little song called this song called Fall Means Sadness. What is the deal with this one? No one heard it until the podcast, uh their podcast, uh number forty eight in twenty eleven. But that would have I mean Fall Means Sadness, that would have come before even the E P, right? 
Yeah, I think it's it's you know it, it might have been a, a dial-a-song recording, or it might have just been a home demo before Monopuff recorded these songs. But it, yeah, it just sounds like an early version of the of Poison Flowers. I always love that lo-fi sound. I'm a sucker for dial song stuff, and it, it does kind of have that feel. Yeah. Is it, what's interesting about it is I, w- I wonder where the recording came from because, you know, usually you hear that stuff off dial song and it's like through somebody's phone. But this is uh, high-quality stuff. It sounds good. I was just saying, like, it's got just that, that little hint of lo-fi feel. Like, it's just, it's definitely not uh, multi-tracked. It's just flames. Oh yeah, no, it's him sitting in a room playing guitar and singing. Yeah, it's right. cool. Yeah, yeah. That, like I'm, in the last twenty years, there were like a handful of moments where they went back and dug through really old tapes, and and the podcast was one of the biggest times for that. So, uh, it, yeah, it was cool just getting to have a new episode every week, and there'd be like a little gem like this nobody had ever heard. Uh, yeah, then, that po- that yeah. podcast was the best. That was the, one of the coolest things I ever did. Wish they were still doing that, but, uh, you know, trying to pick up a little bit of the torch here as best we can. Uh, (laughs) It's so funny because, though, like on um, the radio marathon, the KSMU radio marathon, when uh, um, Shelly was talking to Flans, he's talking about like, um, what did he say? Something about like, well, me and John, you know, we consider this a, uh," when he was talking about like our podcasts, and he's like, we considered an ongoing project and, you know, all this, you know, like we don't get want to get too stuck in uh, nostalgia or whatever. I'm like, you guys love throwing out weird little old tracks like that. You guys have always been like, check out this old thing you've never heard. So Yeah, they, ju- they, they just put out that thing of like their, their two-piece show from whatever that was 10 years ago. It's like, eh, I think there's yeah. a little bit of nostalgia you guys go for maybe right. a little bit. Or like finally putting out the John Henry demos, like that kind of thing. It's like... Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. You guys, you know, you got some pretty sweet stuff back in your history, and you know, you want to let the fans hear that now and then give us a taste. Some uh, people wish they did it even more. I wish they did it even more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm one of those people for sure. Yeah. So, what do we think is a better title for this song? Fall Means Sadness or Poison Flowers? Oh, Poison Flowers, 100%. That kind of goes, I think Fall Means Sadness is way too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Back into the lyrics. It's funny. I just recorded, um, I'm not sure which is going to come out first, but I just recorded the Tesla episode. So it was funny uh, listening to this song and hearing him talking about death rays again. It's like uh, mm-hmm. it's like a little uh, hinting towards Tesla coming way down the line. Flans loves his death rays. It's funny because it's like, uh, I always picked up on that line just because I kind of love it when they kind of talk about like science stuff and like being crazy evil geniuses or whatever. And it's like, I was interpreted as that, but like, like more recently looking at the lyrics, I'm kind of like, oh, it's meant to be a kid. But I kind of just went with it as it was just like flans in like some world where he's like, he builds death rays and stuff. So it's like, <laughs> I just kind of took it and went, but it's like, I didn't 
read into it as much as I probably should have. <laughs> I, I I find it interesting. The uh, the first um, verse seems more well, like a lot of the song seems more like what a little kid would do, like little boys playing, you know, you know, army or whatever in the backyard. And we got the death ray and we got the poison flowers. But then when it gets to the then it seems like some real more teenage shenanigans when it gets to the mm-hmm. who's going to steal the rowboats from the lifeguard station who will type manifestos at my summer job dude <laughs> like uh, how, the idea of typing is manifestos <laughs> is so awesome i i just i remembered like i still do that i still like screw around at work and write all kinds of crazy stuff but the idea like yeah me and my brother definitely wrote a, a hilarious manifesto when, I'm, when we were teenagers i remember <laughs> stealing rowboats so that's uh that's uh, some pretty fun stuff. You can get in some serious trouble for that, man. Kind of, yeah, that's, kind of, some, that's some real teenager shenanigans there. Yeah. It kind of feels like <clears throat> there is that kind of theme going in the album, though, because it's like there is kind of this, this fun to steal, obviously, is kind of right. like it has that similar theme of just like controlling like this kind of side of you. An imaginary friend is kind of like, obviously, we're going to talk about it later, but it's like um, it has that theme of kind of like a childlike mind almost and it, yeah it's like it's almost like going back to kind of his younger self or like maybe not necessarily him but uh yeah kind of controlling this kind of kid like crazy rebel side or even just documenting it in a way mm-hmm yeah yeah it does almost feel like this whole album is just like flames wanting to get down to you know, get back to basics, get back to, you know, some genres he grew up on and maybe not think so much about being artsy, but think more mm-hmm. about just like that gut feeling of rock and roll and funk and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah, I think I'm looking at the track list now thinking about it. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a lot of the lyrics do follow that more than your typical TMBG collection. Mm-hmm. I love the guitars in this song, and I'm trying to think, like, I know, uh, Chris, you play a lot of loud guitar stuff, too. Do you do. think this yes. is a uh, a tremolo effect lock, like, locked into the tempo there? Because it feels like almost like that, ha, 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 like it's not something that's strummed that way, but that it's an effect. Yeah, I always heard of this tremolo, I think so, and I, and I think it either they're either he synced it like they did to a click and he synced up his pedal right. or maybe they did like a you know a rack mount thing with the you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the way it kind of fades yeah. like the wah, 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 wah. yeah yeah it's yeah that's Super a really cool. awesome effect I, I love tremolo so what, what do you guys think about uh, uh scratching <laughs> uh I mean, that that age is pretty poorly i i you know there's there's a few th- I feel like Flans kind of had, you know this is a I I, I love this album it's awesome but th- there was kind of a late nineties early two thousands like thing that Flans seemed to more than Linnell go on of of those kind of trendy scratching or like the drum sounds on uh, another first kiss or or things like that where it's like kind of didn't age as well as some of their other stuff even stuff that sounded of the year, I like their 80s stuff or whatever. It, it, uh, yeah, not, not huge on the scratching. <laughs> what about you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Abby, as someone who wasn't born yet, what do you think about the scratching in, in rock music <laughs> and in this song in particular? 
I think it's down to personal taste. And it's also, yeah, to be fair, when you think about you guys listening to it and then me listening to it, I guess you would have a different interpretation of it because it's like, obviously I was like, I'm not a 90s kid because it's 98, so I guess that's like more 2000s. But um, I don't know, I think it's charming. But it's also about just because I kind of like that, like Parappa the Rapper kind of, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like it's like it's, it, I, I I wouldn't say it didn't age well, just because I think things sounding of the of its time is never uh, never. <laughs> 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 so John good. holding up a Parappa the Rapper stuffed uh, toy. But yeah, yeah. I, I think Big punch it's all in the mind. <laughs> exactly, it's like it, think things being of the time is never a bad thing for me because it's like. Like I always say, it's I care about the process of the song being made and when it was made. And when you can hear that in the song, I think that just really adds to it. And also without those kind of like um, little things that are kind of cheesy and crappy in Monopus, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it would it would be completely different. And those it's like I love all those little things like that. And that's like definitely present in that in this song. What what else would you consider cheesy and crappy? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, I say crappy, but it's like obviously I love it. But it's just no, I know, I know. But like, what kind of other stuff? Um, I think a lot of the maybe the sound production and also like the little kind of voices Flans does, and maybe some of just kind, just kind of the overall themes and like sound design of the album. It it just sounds so. It's like when you look at the the album cover, it it sounds like that. It sounds like yeah. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. you know. It's it's literally just like I feel like it's kind of like the more um, unhinged kind of like that whole theme that we're talking about about like fans kind of younger side and like his mm -hmm. kind of uh, tapping into that. It kind of feels like that. The whole kind of monopoth thing does feel like that. So it'd be interesting to hear yeah. what the new the new stuff will sound like because I don't know if it'll right. be if it'll be quite the same just because it is kind of that kind of nineties two thousand sound is like it's a big reason as to why I like it so I wonder if that will be still a thing. Yeah, I'm very I'm very curious about that too. Yeah, with such a long gap, it's going to be interesting. I do like seeing Phil Hernandez pop up on stuff. I wonder if he'll be on the, the new stuff at all. He's all over this record. Uh, half of the Elegant 2, who those guys were all over stuff uh, in TMBG as well uh, around this time. Late 90s, early 2000s. Lots of that Mink Car stuff. Uh, yeah, that would be cool if they brought him back. I, I, I enjoy his contributions a lot of times. Sometimes, not always. <laughs> sometimes I would... Sometimes... Sometimes I would consider the the elegant two's contributions to be what was it? Uh, would you say dated and crappy? What was the word? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I I don't I don't I don't. It's cool, but I don't know how how uh, open my arms will be to welcome back the creators of Mister Excitement. But anyway, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. I'll take. As a mint car, like, it's my favorite album, so. But it does suck. <laughs> you know, it's got, it's, got, it's, got, it's, it's got ups and downs. Ups and downs on that album. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. It's like the one. It's been 20 years. 
Everyone grows after 20 years. <laughs> well, I kind of like, I like how Flans on this album is willing to go and, you know, potentially cheesy or what's going to soon be dated sounding kind of production. And I think in general, They Might Be Giants is not like shy to do that. You know, they their 80s stuff sounded very, very 80s, you know, drenched in reverb. And um, I, I kind of like that they're willing to just like uh, go with whatever instincts they have. It's funny you say that, actually, because I was actually thinking about this recently because um, I was actually reading, you know, the book that came out about Flood that it was, I think it's like 33 or something. 33 and a third, I was reading that, uh, and it was, like, it was good. Like, the part that I read was good, but this thing of, like, um, I'm always so weird when people talk in excess about the kind of nerd and geek connections of They Might Be Giants because... Um, I, don't, I don't know how accurate it is a lot of the time, but I think the reason for that is because they do, because in their experimental nature, they do things that aren't cool and mm-hmm. that sound bad. And then people are like, oh, this is nerdy. And it's like, I, I wouldn't go that far. I think it's just they're trying, they're not trying to put up like this front that they're cool. And I think that's what probably why Monopuff is like so dear to me and, you know, Flan's stuff in general is because, uh, I don't think I would call it nerdy or geeky, but I think I would just call it like an adulterate, unadulterated, like experimental nature and like just not giving a shit. Um, and that's kind of like why Monopuff is so great because it's like, I feel like plans in Monopuff is, um, I don't know, it, I feel like it, he's not feeling like he needs to create something in a particular way because Linnell is also involved. It's like, I'm just going to do this because it's mine. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I wonder if some of this stuff is done because it's, I remember it might've even been on that recent TMBG day interview or something that I read kind of recently was um, I think Flans was saying, one of the, one of them was saying that they know the stuff each other like completely hate and will not put it in TMBG songs. I wonder if some of those things are in monopuff. Like maybe there's just, some stuff John Linnell does not like that Flans is like, all right, now's my now's my chance. Yeah, John would hate this. Well, Linnell's like Flans hates Latin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be an interesting. I feel like you you can hear that though when you listen. Like you can hear that. You, that it's like there's almost like things that you hear and they might be giants, but it's like times a thousand. And that's the same with Linnell's side projects too. It's like. It just, it sounds like his songs on They Might Be Giant stuff, but times a thousand, and that's why it works so well, and that's why it's like I almost don't miss like the other John when I listen to their solo stuff because it's like it almost makes the their their collaboration stuff make more sense to me because you see how it goes together so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a cool insight, and I and I also think that all their all of their side projects solo stuff quality wise is absolutely just as good. I don't think there's any dip in quality at all. No, no. Uh, let's uh, let's listen to this uh, one cover of Poison Flowers that I found. This yeah. is on uh, YouTube. The uh, channel is Bathrobe Basement Music Time, and the dude <laughs> is in a bathrobe, and it looks like he is in a basement with the lights off. It's like a very kind of um, sultry, kind of uh, you know, late night club vibe. Oh, yeah. 
like how he, he slows it down just a little bit. And I mean, obviously he's using an acoustic, but he's using uh, open chords, you know, open G's and mm-hmm. G7s and C's instead of what was uh, probably just power chords on the uh, original. I love his voice too. He's got a wonderful voice. Yeah. It's very soothing. And it really feels like he's giving it his all. I love how he's recording yeah, yeah. in pitch darkness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, he's, he's like feeling the emotion of it or feeling, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Atmospheric. This is his vibe. Robe is on point. Chest hair is on point. Just to point that yeah. out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Whatever your name is, guy. YouTube uh, bathroom basement music time. I love him. Seven, 17 I views. Know. So now we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're like really like contributing to the views of this thing. His oh, about says, just a dude in bathrobe playing some music <laughs> in his basement. That's, well, that's what it is. He does, yeah. he's, as, as advertised. Yeah, yeah and this is just from a couple of years ago. So it's, uh, you know, he's doing this cover 20 years after Fun to Steal came out. So this dude, uh, he's definitely a Monopuff fan, you know, digging up uh, some classics. It's really interesting. Yeah, I'm, when, I'm definitely going to look for more of his, his stuff, listen to what else he's done. When I hear, like, um, people cover Flanza songs, because it's like, with a lot of his stuff, it's like, um, it's almost like an idea that of a song that's being made. And then, and it's like, when, you, when I hear other people cover his stuff that have, like, a certain voice or, like, a certain kind of style, it's like, you can kind of see, hear the idea kind of come together even more because it's like everything Flans does is so him and it sounds like the stuff he's made. But sometimes the ideas behind that feel like um, they're just so clear and like you you know what he's trying to do. And then when you hear other people kind of recreate that, it, it it's just like, I don't know how to explain it. It just it sounds even more like that like the homage to a certain styles that he does and it's like with this guy's cover it just sounds like yeah it sounds like the more complete not more complete but like it sounds like those ideas that he's trying to <laughs> create i guess and the guys really like, like it's like it. like it's sort of a, a, a window or a different look at, at the at the song it kind of it kind of it kind of you get to, I guess you get to see sort of the idea of it more than like the flanziness of the performance, which is exactly. a different way to hear it. I'm mm-hmm. glad that you got that because I couldn't explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does a good job with it for sure. I think it's time to score this song. So right. we're going to make Chris do it first. All right, I will go first. I, inspired by your show, I, while I was speaking of wasting time at work, a, uh, a, a time-honored Flansburg, uh tradition. Um, I made a spreadsheet of every They Might Be Giant song and scored them, but I didn't do the monopuff and state songs kind of things. So I'm looking at my scores here. So I can you've already it, you've I scored think. every single song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna go. Maybe let's go. Don't like it as much as Welcome to the Jungle. A little lower than that. <laughs> gonna go maybe. I'm gonna go eight point one. Eight point one. All right. Ooh, the decibels. Uh, Abby. Um, 
I suck at scoring things. Um, Do it. I just want everything to be a 10. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I <know. laughs> you and me both. I, like, I end up just saying. You love all your children them. equally. Yeah, literally. Um, other than Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, I'll go for like a nine. But there's nothing that I don't like about it. I just don't want to sound crazy. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> we all know it's really a ten. It is. <laughs> uh, John, uh, I think it's a great song. I, I love the production, and I, I think it's really hooky and catchy. Also, uh, anti-folk musician Brooke Pridemore, who you guys may know, yeah, uh, yeah, has a song called "Who's Gonna Build My Death Ray." And uh-huh. not many people, including maybe even his fans, realize that's a reference to a Monopuff song. Uh, all that said, I'm going to give this one an 8.6 because I can't, I can't think of anything being below an eight, <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go straight up eight on this one. I love the uh, the rockers on this album and this one. Yeah, the production. The idea that they recorded it super loud, uh, the guitar tone, all that, and and the nostalgic feeling of the lyrics, just being that you know the feeling of being a young rocker. So I'll, I'll go eight. And that's it for the free portion of this episode. If you want to hear us talk about Mr. Hugh Says, Imaginary Friends, and Backstabbing Liar, head to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast and get all the exclusive episodes and some swag. That's patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. Hope to see you over there.